you know, I was uh, praying the same thing as Knox uh, when we were doing prayer requests. I was praying, uh, you know, I've been sick this week and I've been praying, hey, uh, if it is at all possible, please, please, please let me not uh, cough through this whole thing. So uh, we're going to keep praying that if, uh, this morning. Uh, this morning, uh, we're kind of going to be all over the place in Scripture, and so uh, if you want to follow along, uh, you can on the Version app. Uh, it may be a little easier on there. If not, everything will be on the screen. Uh, but we started a new series last week called Thank You Notes, and it's this idea of being thankful. And uh, we are in the holiday seasons, and it's usually this time of the year when we stop and we reflect on what we're thankful for, right? Like we stop and we think, I'm thankful for this, or I'm thankful for this. And if you uh, follow me on Facebook, I've been uh, doing this thing I call the thankfulness challenge. And each day, just been kind of sharing things I'm thankful for. And it's kind of what we do this time of the year. We share the things that we are thankful for. And uh, for some, this idea of being thankful is a little hard. Maybe uh, it's something going on in their life. Maybe it's a, a difficult time or whatever the case is. They're saying, I, I really want to be thankful, but yet it just feels like it's hard for me to do that. Like I'm just not feeling this idea of being thankful. And so we're going to spend a couple of weeks talking about how can we be more thankful. And last week in Philippians chapter 4, we talked about Paul and, and Paul telling us, uh, the secret of his contentment. And he wasn't going to keep it secret. He made it known what his secret was in being content. And he tells us that he's learned to be content in each and every circumstance, whether he's hungry, whether he's well-fed, whether he has a lot, whether he has plenty. Whatever the case he was going through in life, he had learned to be content. And we talked about one of the best ways to be thankful is to learn to be content. And how do we do that? We do that by getting our strength from Him, from God. We find our strength in Him. He gives us the strength that no matter what the circumstance, we can do all things through Him who gives us strength. We lean on Him. God, give me the strength to be content with what You've blessed me with. Whatever situation I am in, in life, please let me be content. And Paul learned, I can be content no matter what happens. I'm good because I know that he is in control, that I get my strength from him. And we talked about when we learn to be content, it opens the door a lot of times for us to be generous. When we learn to be content with what we have, we are better able to say, I want to bless others because he has blessed me. And so those were just a couple of ways that we can learn to be thankful. And this morning we're continuing along with a, a thing that can kind of keep us, not kind of, a lot of times keeps us from being thankful, and that's envy. The word envy. And if we're to be completely honest this morning, a lot of us have fallen into that trap of envy. And we try to justify it, right? Like, a little bit of envy is not a bad thing, is it? Like, it's okay to sometimes see that this person has this new thing. And, and I, it's okay to, to say, hey, I want that, isn't it? Just a little bit of envy is not a bad thing. Or I, I see uh, kind of where they're at in, in their life. And it's not wrong, is it, a little bit just to say, I envy that? 
you see, the problem is a little bit of envy, like a lot of other things, can lead us down a spiral pretty quick. Uh, the once uh, prolific writer, French writer Voltaire, once said, even in those cities which seem to enjoy the blessings of peace and where the arts flourish, the inhabitants are devoured by envy, cares, and anxieties, which are greater plagues than any experienced in a town when it is under siege. Powerful words from Voltaire that, that in a town that seems to be prospering, a city that's prospering, envy, uh, cares, anxiety, they're a greater plague than war in a lot of these places. And envy is a dangerous thing. This idea of envy, what is envy? Well, one definition says that envy is a, a feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by somebody else's possessions, qualities, or luck. It's this idea of seeing what other people have and being discontent with what we have or resentfully longing for to look at what other people have, whether that's possession, whether that's gifts, whether that is uh, the situations they're in. And we look at that and we, we want that. We long for those things. When you see the word envy in the Greek and Hebrew, it carries the idea of jealousy. It's this idea of looking at what others have and are jealous of those things. And you see, for a lot of people, even in the church, envy is a huge thing. We're envious of people's abilities. We're envious of people's situations in life. And so the question is, what is the problem with envy? And another question we'll ask this morning is, if envy is a problem, then what do we do about it? And so we'll start by looking at this idea of what is the problem with envy? And in a Crosswalk article, crosswalk.com, in an article they wrote, Five Ways Envy is Destroying Your Life. And I loved the article so much that I decided this morning I wanted to share it with you. What's the problem with envy? There's five problems that come from envy. And what are those? Well, the first one is this. Envy can drain us. Envy can drain us. It's true. Envy can drain our soul. It can mess with our hearts. Envy, just starting out, even if it starts out, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of envy, but we see as we envy a little bit, it turns into a lot, and a lot of times it can drain us because it's like spinning your wheels over and over and over again, no matter how hard you try, the next thing comes along or the next thing comes along and we're never content with what we have because the people we look at seem to have everything that we want. And it's that spinning the wheel and we're never really happy. Proverbs 14.30, it says it like this, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. It's draining. It's, rot, it's a rot in our body. When our desire should be a heart at peace, envy rots our bones because we're never happy. Even if we have that next thing that everybody else has, when the next thing comes along or the next situation comes along, we're right back to being envious. And so the first thing is envy can drain us. What else can envy do? Well, envy makes it hard to love. Envy makes it hard to love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's this familiar love passage. And in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, it says, Love is patient, love is kind, and it does not envy. You see, where love is, envy cannot coexist with it. 
Because if we love, we're not going to be jealous of what, all the, or what that person has, what their situation in life is. We're not going to be jealous over those things. No, where love is, envy cannot be there. If it is, it causes a bridge between us and those we are called to love. And so envy can drain us and envy can make it hard to love. What else can envy do? Well, following that, making it hard to love, envy leads us towards hate. Envy leads us towards hate. We stop loving people because of what they have or what their situation in life is, their gifts. We stop, it becomes hard to love them and eventually that leads us towards hate. Galatians 5.26 tells us, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. In Titus 3.3, it tells us, At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. A little bit of envy can lead us down a slippery slope. And it's sad. I've seen so many times people who have turned to hate because they just wished that they had what other people had. They were envious of what other people had, and it became, that's not fair that they have that, and I don't. It's not fair that their life is the way it is, and mine isn't, and it's just not fair, and I can't stand that that person is going through this when I have to go through this, and I just can't stand it. I hate this, and it leads us to hating others, when really what we should do is love, and so it leads us or it can drain us, it can make it hard to love, it can lead us towards hate. What else does envy do? Well, envy leads to other sins. Envy is a gateway to many other sins. James 3.16 says it like this, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. It's not hard to find other sin when you start with envy. Matter of fact, uh, William Barclay once said it like this. He said, Covetousness is therefore a sin with a very wide range. If it is the desire for money, it leads to theft. If it's the desire for prestige, it leads to evil ambition. If it's the desire for power, it leads to sadistic tyranny. If it's the desire for a person, it leads to a sexual sin. So many things can come from envy. And so it can lead us to other sins. What else can it do? Well, the last thing is envy leads us away from truth and wisdom. It leads us away from what we know to be the truth, and it leads us away from godly wisdom. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, it says, They are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Here, Paul is talking about false teachers who are coming and sharing these things and causing quarrels and arguments and causing envy. And in doing this, it takes the truth away from people. But listen to what James says in James 3, 13 through 15. Who is wise in understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. You see, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. If we boast in our envy, then that is not godly wisdom. No, that is a wisdom that does not come from heaven. That is an earthly 
wisdom that is unspiritual and demonic. Envy can lead us away from what we know to be true. Envy can lead us away from godly wisdom if we are not careful. And so these are the things that are problem are the problem with envy. This is why envy is a thing that can lead us down a terrible slope. Envy is a sin. And like other sins, it starts with that little bit of, it's not okay, or it's okay if I do it just a little bit, right? And it leads us down a wrong pathway. So the question is then, how do we combat this? How do we combat envy? Well, I think there's a couple of things that we can do to make sure that we stay away from envy, that we avoid envy. And the first one is this. We worship. We worship. Why do we worship? Why does worship help us with envy? What about worship helps us with envy? Well, I think the thing with worshiping is what does it do? It focuses us on who? It focuses on God. We focus, when we worship, we focus on God. We focus on who He is. We praise Him, we worship Him, we give Him adoration, we give Him praise and glory for who He is, and we focus our hearts and our minds on Him when we worship. And when we do that, it takes our minds off these other things. We focus our life on Him. And when we focus our life on Him, we're not focusing on what other people have that we don't. We are focusing our mind, our hearts on Him. Psalm 150, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. I don't know about you, but for me, there's something special about listening to worship music. Whenever I'm having a bad day, whenever I'm focusing on things that I shouldn't be, whenever my heart is not in the right place, just listening to to worship, just praising God in my car, in the office, at my house, wherever I'm at, and I'm just not in the right frame of mind when my heart's not focused on Him, I worship and I praise Him. And I don't know about you, but it, it turns my heart where it needs to be. I like what Jerry Bridges once said. He said, Worship is the specific art of ascribing to God the glory, majesty, honor, and worthiness which are His. When we worship, we focus on Him. We focus on who He is, His majesty, His honor, His worthiness. And it focuses our hearts to where it needs to be. And so the first thing we do is we worship. The second thing we do, and this is a tough one, we avoid comparison. We avoid comparison, and I think if we were to be completely honest this morning, each and every one of us at some point have fallen victim to that trap of comparison, right? At at some point in our life, we've compared ourselves by what other people have, Or, or one that I think we do a lot of times is we compare ourselves to the gifts that other people have. Oh man, they're good at this. I could never be good at this. There's just no way I would ever be able to do that. And we struggle sometimes with comparison. And it's a difficult trap to get out of if we spend our whole life comparing, to what other, or comparing ourselves to others. And so what do we do? How do we avoid comparison? Well, I think there's a couple of good reminders that we can think about to help us when it comes to comparison. I think the first one is to remember that we're created by God. We're created by God. The Heavenly Father, the same God who created the universe, created us. Each and every one of us are created by God. I like Psalm 139, verse 14. It says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I love that because there's a couple of words in here that are, I think are really cool. Uh, the first one, I'm fearfully, fearfully. The word in the Hebrew, faithful, or fearfully, it's yer. And that word means to respect, reverence, honor, and awe. And so to say that we are fearfully, it means that we are made with respect, with reverence, with honor, with awe. We are made out of the same things that God is. God is our source. He is all of these things, right? He is to be praised because He is, or he is to be respected. He is to be honored. He is to be, uh, we're to be in awe of Him. Everything we're made out of comes from His character. He is, we are to be fearful of Him, right? And not, I'm terrified of God. No, it's a thing of respect, a thing of reverence, honor, and awe, and we are made the same way. We are made fearfully and wonderfully. This word wonderfully, in the Hebrew, it's pala. And this word means to be separate, distinguished, or unique. So I praise you because I'm fearfully and distinguished or uniquely made. And we are, aren't we? We're uniquely made. There is no other you. There is no other you in this world. You are the only you. You are uniquely made. Even twins are uniquely made. There's little differences in twins that are different. So even twins are uniquely made. We're unique. And in our DNA, in our personalities, we are unique. There is only one of you. And so we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I think of Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, when it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you, or before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before Jeremiah was in the womb, before he was born, he was, a, a, he was known by God. He was appointed to be a prophet to the nations. The same thing is true with us. Before we were even in the womb, God knew us. How amazing is that? If you want to avoid comparison, one of the best reminders we can have is to stop and think about the fact that we are unique. We are unique. We're different. We are all made differently. And we shouldn't, have, we shouldn't compare ourselves to others when we stop and think about the fact that God made me the way I am. God made you the way you are. You are unique. Well, another good reminder, I think, is this. We all have different gifts. We all have different gifts. We don't avoid, or we, if you want to avoid comparison, remember that we all have different gifts. I'll be completely honest with you this morning. There are several things in this church that I don't know how to do. And you know what? I am thankful for the fact that there are people who do. If you came to me this morning and said, hey, uh, Bobby, why don't you go ahead and go up there and sing with the worship team this morning or, or go up there and play guitar with the worship team? You know what I would tell you this morning? No, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, absolutely not. You know, I, I, I can sing and praise while I'm here. I, I can lift a joyful noise when I'm in my car. But if you asked me to get on a mic and sing, I would tell you absolutely not. But I am thankful for our worship team. Each and every person who serves on our worship team, who plays guitars, who plays the drums, who plays the keyboard, who sings, all of these things, I am thankful. 
And if you came to me this morning and said, hey, Bobby, I need you to cook a meal for D-Zone and Aftershock on Wednesday night, you'd be like, no, I'm sorry. You don't want me to do that. Unless it's Hamburger Helper, I can do that. Um, uh, maybe. Um, but I'm thankful for Kathy and Aubrey and Lacey, people who come and help in the kitchen on Wednesday nights. I'm, I'm thankful for them. And I had to take an uh, accounting class when I was at Oklahoma Wesleyan for my master's degree. It was one of the worst experiences of my life, I'm going to be completely honest. And I guarantee if she were to be honest, Kay would say it was one of the most awful experiences in her life. Um, <laughs> You know, there was a lot of time I spent yelling at my computer, I did everything you said to do, why is the answer wrong? Um, over and over and over again. I know nothing about accounting through two classes. I'm thankful for Terry, Terry Allen, who knows how to do that stuff, who knows uh, and who does all of that stuff here. I'm, I'm appreciative of her and what she does. I'm thankful that they do this, and here's why. I've learned this, that while I don't have every gift, I'm thankful for those who do have those gifts. I'm thankful for those who have those gifts because we each have different gifts. We each have those things that God has given us to use to serve His kingdom. We don't all have the same gifts, but we all have different gifts according, as it says in Romans chapter 12, 6-8. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is given, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, he says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We all have different gifts to play a role in his kingdom. When we spend our time comparing ourselves to what other people have, we cheapen what God has given us. God has blessed us with the gifts that he has blessed us with to serve him. I like what Theodore Roosevelt once said, comparison is the thief of joy. It robs our joy when all we do is compare ourselves to others. And so we need to do one thing. We need to avoid comparison. And so we worship, we avoid comparison, what else do we do? Well, I think thirdly, we need to lean on his strength. We need to lean on his strength. You see, our God is a strong God. He is a rock. And we lean on him for strength. We lean on him because we know he is strong and that he can give us what we need to do what we need to do. Psalm 55:22 tells us, Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. And so we need to lean on his strength, just like as Paul said in Philippians 4, hey, my secret, my way to stay content is this. I get power, I get strength from him. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So we lean on him, we lean on his strength. And so how do we do that? How do we lean on his strength? Well, here's a couple of more reminders. One, we seek him before anyone or anything else. And how often do we run to other things, right? When we're struggling with something, when we're going through something, so often our, our first thing is to go in many other directions than God. 
We never go to God first when really that is what we need to do. Above all else, we go to Him first. Matthew six thirty three. When Jesus is in Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about worry and uh, worrying about tomorrow. And, and this is what he says in verse 33. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given you as well. We seek first his kingdom, his righteousness and all things before we seek anything else. And then I think another way that we lean on him is we find our joy in him. We find our joy in in him. Instead of comparing ourselves, instead of envying what everybody else has that we don't, we find our joy in him. We find our joy in him. I, I like how John Piper says it, and I'm paraphrasing, and I hope I don't mess this up, but it's this idea that we are most satisfied when we are satisfied in him. That idea that we find our joy, we are most joyful when we find our joy in him. Psalm 37.4, it tells us, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your hearts. And I think what he's saying there, this is the idea that if you take your delight in the Lord, if you search out the Lord, if you uh, live for the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. And I think that if your heart is set on God, if you are set in the pathway of God, if you're doing everything for Him, if you're living a righteous life, you know what? God's going to give you the desires of your heart, because the desires of your heart are set on Him, on what He would give you, what is good for you, not always just what you want. No, your desires are set on Him, and He knows your hearts, and He gives you what you need. And so we need to find our joy in Him. Find our joy in Him. When we're going through a situation where we're looking at what other people have and we're saying it's just not fair. It's just not fair that they aren't going through the same things that I'm going through. It's just not fair that I'm struggling while they're happy. It's just not fair that they have these gifts and I don't. It's just not fair. Instead, we need to find our joy in Him. I like how Jerry Bridges says this. He says, The cure of the sin of envy and jealousy is to find our contentment in God. If we want to find... The cure for envy, it's finding our contentment in God. Our joy, everything should be set on Him. And so this morning, here's the challenge. Choose thankfulness over envy. Choose thankfulness over envy. Choose to be thankful for God and what He has done for you, what He has blessed you with, whatever the situation is, just like we talked about last week with Paul. Whatever you have, whatever you don't have, be thankful in Him. Find thankfulness in Him before envy. And I think there's a good reminder on how to do that. Think about what He's done for you. Think about what He's done for you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And as they do... I want you to reflect this morning on this. Think about what it is He's done for you. God sent His Son for us. God sent His Son for us when we were broken, when we were flawed, when we were sinful people. God sent His Son for each and every one of us. And no matter what anybody in this room has, we all have the same thing. God sent His Son for us. God sent His Son for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made him who had no sin, his son, who was perfect. He made him 
who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God, so that we could be in the family of God, that we could approach God. He did all of this for us. And we have so many reasons to be thankful for what it is we have. And so this morning, I would encourage you, choose thankfulness over envy. Whatever the situation, praise God that you've been blessed. Because we've all been blessed by the same thing that God gave His Son for us. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Him. And this is where thankfulness begins. We, we start by being thankful in the fact that God would send His Son for us. And this morning, you can be thankful for that and you can say, I want you to come into my life and I want to give my life to you. If you've never made that decision on your Connect card, you can uh, write that down. I'd love to talk with you, love to pray with you. I know there's elders here in this room who would love to pray with you and talk with you. Or maybe this morning you've struggled with this. You've struggled with envy and maybe you've struggled with comparison. Maybe you've struggled with, uh, and it's been hard for me to love these people because they have everything I want and I see what they have and I don't have that and it makes me mad. It makes me frustrated. It, It makes me just angry that I don't get to have what they have and you're just struggling with that. Maybe what you need to do this morning is spend some time just talking with him, laying these things at his feet and just spending some time praying. If you need to pray up here, I'd love to pray with you. But man, we should choose thankfulness over envy because we have a God who loves us so much that he would send his son for us. So if you have a decision to make this morning, I pray that you would do so as we stand and we sing.